you're listening to Michael Easley in Context. Now is the time that I would normally introduce you to your host, Michael Easley, but today, at least for today, I am hijacking <laughs> the host role. My name's Hannah Seymour, and I am Michael's firstborn daughter. Hey, Dad. <laughs> Hello, Hannah. How thanks, are you? Thanks for letting me be on the show with That's you. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. So today we're actually going to listen to a sermon excerpt from something that you preached on Mark, the feeding of the 5,000. But I got so many texts and then saw on social media, so many folks on that Sunday morning really responded to this brief tangent that you did about Jesus's call to the disciples to get rest. Mm-hmm. It does speak to our culture. We're, we're busy people. We're self-important. Uh, I think we uh, get up early. We stay up late. We run hard. And then we recreate hard. Uh, we have this penchant that, okay, I'm not working, so I got to play real hard on the weekend or plan things out real well. And we pay a price for that. And I, I've seen it in my age group. I've seen it in younger folks that we're so busy, we don't take time to rest. So when you talk about rest, like in this message, you can feel a palpable response from the audience. I mean, the church, they get quiet. They kind of lean in. It's like, oh, this is a a bigger issue than I think we we talk about sometimes. Yeah, I think at least as a millennial, I'm on the upper end of that. But there are so many messages to me on hustling and productivity and efficiency and time management and so many books out there, even from Christian perspectives on how to have, how to use your time as God's time. And um, I mean, I feel the anxiety and the tension of not just am I living the bigger picture of life well, am I living my day well? And I think that can, at least for me, spend me into just this ever running nonstop push to accomplish things when I think if we don't start our day every day, truthfully, in rest, resting in God's presence and his word with his people, I don't think we accomplish as much. You know, there, there are a number of uh, Luther quotes, and I can't pull the precise one, but one that we found, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. And Luther had a, apparently he would get up very early in the morning and spend three to four hours in prayer and personal study before he then worked all day long. And, and many of our sort of patriarchs in the faith and uh, those that we esteem in history were men and women of great prayer and great discipline and time with God. And of course, with the advent of technology and binge watching and all the activities we have today, we are a very distracted culture. So the part that struck the chord from this message is, do you get away and do you pray and do you rest with Christ? The converse to that is, am I more efficient if I don't do that? I'm going to get me going. I got the to-do list. I got the, the text, the outlook, the task managers, all the different systems we use. And it's not lazy. It's not taking a nap in Jesus. It's do I reflect? Do I pause? Do I read? Do I ruminate over what I'm reading? And I would say the Christian culture in, in mass is missing this in their Christian life. Hmm. Well, let's jump in to this portion of the sermon. Well, every one of us comes to a situation in life where we don't feel quite sufficient. When you get married, you probably don't feel sufficient as a husband or a wife. You kind of figure things out. And during the course of your marriage, you're going to ask yourself a thousand times, am I sufficient as a husband? Am I sufficient as a wife? Uh, When you have children, you are going to question your very salvation. (laughs) 
raising children, going, what am I doing to these poor people that God has entrusted me into my home? You're going to ruin their lives. You're going to destroy them. You've got to have the right stroller. You've got to have the right vehicle, the right shoes, the right school, the right books, the right toys. You can't just buy blocks anymore. They might get a splinter. You've got to have a neuroplastic toy that teaches them things that no one ever knew about before. And you over-obsess as a parent trying to raise these little boys and girls. As a single man or woman, you approach life with a number of questions. How do I do this alone? How do I do it as a single man or woman? I don't want to be single. I want to be single and all points in between. Am I sufficient as a physician? Am I sufficient as a mom? Am I sufficient as a dad? Am I sufficient as a teacher, as an engineer, as an artist, a musician, a writer? Do I have what it takes to do this thing? And when we succeed, we feel good about it. It's great. But we always come to that cusp again, don't we? Where we wonder, do I have what it takes do I have enough to provide for this situation? We have all these inadequacies and insecurities and wonder, do we have what it takes to provide for the situation? Perhaps at a great level, that's what this story is about in the Gospel of Mark, the feeding of the 5,000. Before we look at the text or the story proper about the feeding of 5,000, we want to look at this hinge passage in verses 30, 31, and 32. Jesus sent them out to preach, to heal, to teach, to anoint. And we picked up the story, and now the apostles are gathering, and they're telling, reporting to Christ all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Don't miss that. And they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. Interesting, this is the only gospel record of this. Mark says, take time, take a rest. So before we look at the main story, let me just encourage you type A's, workaholics, uh, those who get up early and stay up late doing your world, it's okay to take a break. Now, let's differentiate between leisure and rest. Turning off social media, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, and binge-watching Netflix is not what I have in mind. <laughs> That's leisure. That's not rest. Rest is time with him. Rest is a restorative thing where you are alone with God's word. You're praying. And notice this is a secluded place. Twice the text, Mark says, to a secluded place. They got into a boat to a secluded place. It can mean desolate or isolated. So in the morning when I get up, when Cindy gets up, we do not turn on the Bible software technology because if I turn on the technology, I'm lost. I'm gone. I'm, I love the technology. I love it. But if I turn it on, this goes away. And that to me is, is a good illustration of secluded, isolated, away from. I'm ADD before they even knew what that was. And so I face a wall in all my offices, at home as well as at work. I don't face the window. If I face the window, it's squirrel and bird, you know. I can't stay on track. I face a wall because I've got to compartmentalize. This is what I have in front of me. It's a new year. Great time to start new habits. Do you think you're more efficient not spending time with God than spending time with Him? This is not something you should do or you're supposed to do or you ought to do. It's something you can do. 
is something that's an opportunity for you. I would argue you're more efficient, you're more productive, you're more balanced in every way when you spend time with your Savior than when you do not. Because you're always running on fumes. They've come off this busy time, they're telling Jesus all the stories, and he says to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place. That word might just be all that some of you need to hear today. I would also submit that when you do this every morning, not because you have to, but because you can, not because you should, because you get to, not because you're supposed to, but because you want to, that over time, you'll wonder why you haven't done it always. Maturity is turning discipline into reflex. And once it becomes a reflex that you get up and you take your coffee or whatever it is you need in the morning to get going, and you open that Bible and journal, and you read and you pray, and you just are isolated with God's Word and God's Spirit by yourself. You'll never waste time doing that. Well, Dad, I think if there were five top things that I've heard you say over and over and over again in my lifetime, one of those things would certainly be the importance of spending time in God's Word, of learning how to read it for yourself, study it, and for it to really be a habit, not because you have to. We just heard you say this, not because you have to, but because you get to. So for folks that, man, they're really desiring that rest, they're really desiring to be filled up by the Lord, by His Word, before tackling these crazy days that we live, where would they even start? How, how do you kind of practically set someone up to start spending daily time in God's Word and in prayer? Number one, shame and guilt don't motivate for very long. We can feel guilty about something. I need to do it. I should do it. I ought to do it. doesn't work. So we have to kind of set that aside. Secondly, a realistic goal. If you're a morning person, which I think is the best route, then do it in the morning. Now, I understand there are some night creatures. I don't get that because my brain is shot at the end of the day. But if you are an evening person, a night owl, then maybe that's your most productive time. But to me, it's like you put it on your schedule. It's a non-negotiable. And I remember in college trying to go seven out of seven days, and I failed. And then I felt guilty. Then I went six out of seven days. Then I went five out of seven. I set all these arbitrary goals. And it wasn't until that line I use all the time, I don't have to, I get to. Those type of ideas, it's an opportunity. So I did it for uh, 21 days, the habit thing. And uh, it didn't work. <laughs> the 22nd day, I was still tired. I didn't want to get up. I started drinking coffee for the effect uh, <laughs> because I got up at five in the morning. And for me, it was on and off for about three years. Hmm. And then it clicked one day. And it was like, I get to do this. I want to do this. Uh, one of our friends back in Virginia, Buddy Wood, he would get up every morning and he would tell his wife, sweets, it's Christmas morning. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I, I think the reminder of discipline is part of it. You don't always feel like getting up and reading God's Word and studying and spending time in prayer, but sometimes you do feel like it. And and I think the reward of the joy of discovery, as Oletta Wald's book is titled, is when you find these nuggets and see these insights, that's when the Scripture motivates you. The other thing is change it up. Because we get bored with routine, perhaps, I use a handbook to prayer by Ken Boa, The Valley of Vision, uh, Arthur Bennett compilation of Puritan prayers. I read through the Psalms. I do Bible reading programs. I've done different studies on subjects. I've studied prayer, 
holiness, what it means to rest, what is contentment. And so I, I think we get this idea we've got to do chapter 1 of Genesis all the way through Leviticus. There's a time for that. But if I am able to be motivated by studying old earth, young earth, what does it mean as a man or a woman? A topic that invigorates me, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to want to read that and see what God's word has to say. And the other thing I would say is, is share what you're learning with someone. Your mom and I will often have these conversations. I read something this morning or the other day. What do you think about this? And there's an energy behind that to see what a person is learning and that you want to talk about it as opposed to, did you see what's trending on hashtag and social media this morning? Did you see you know, what the latest thing is? And it's just a conversation. What am I learning today in God's word? Yeah. And we underestimate the power for good that has in other Christians' lives when we say, this is what God's teaching me right now in my time alone with him. And like, well, maybe I should have some time alone with him. Yeah. He loves us. He's not mad at us. We have an opportunity. It's available. And we're pretty silly and pretty immature to think we can do this Christian life without that daily exposure to him, to his word, to his spirit, and have him remind us what this world's about. Well, if folks wanted to hear the rest of this sermon on Feeding the 5,000, how would they get there? The easiest way is to go to Fellowship. BibleChurch.org. One word, fellowshipbiblechurch.org, and hunt around for the link that says messages. You can go to the Brentwood campus, but just look for the term messages, and you can find the current series called Following the Servant King, where we've got over 20 messages so far in the Gospel of Mark. Well, thanks, Dad. And to our listeners, we love to hear from you guys. If you've got a question or comment or something just really encouraged you or challenged you, we'd love to hear from you. You can always tweet at Dr. Easley or send us an email at info at michaelincontext.com. 